0: Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. Hello and welcome to Salt Lake Speaks, Salt Lake Magazine's own podcast. You can find this and other episodes at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Salt Lake Magazine's Cocktail Contest, a month-long cocktail crawl where locals get the chance to try and judge libations created by local bars and restaurants around town. For a full list of participants, visit cocktailcontestslc.com. I'm Ashley Zanter, associate editor of Salt Lake Magazine. Today I have Christine Stenquist, director of Truce, Utah with us today. Thank you for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. So before we sort of jump into what your organization does, I just, uh, there seems to be a a large conversation surrounding medical marijuana. Some of it is
1: misunderstood. There's a lot of competing pieces of information that are out there. So could you just let us know sort of what's going on? Um, For in our state and on a national scale, there is a patient's movement happening where uh, patients are fighting for their right to be able to use um, cannabis medicinally in different states. You do see some people who are leaning towards wanting to go adult use, but for the most part, this is a medical movement that's that's happening. And so there's a lot of people who are speaking out and sharing their stories. Um, There's more and more evidence coming out that supports cannabis um, for mitigating patient symptoms. And so that's really, by and large, the whole of it. Um, the, the things that we're running into is that it's still federally illegal. And so that's one of the big kind of crutch we're working on is, is trying to change policy for patients to have safe legal access in our country and in our state.
0: So what kinds of patients?
1: Well, we're talking about Alzheimer's, ALS patients, cancer patients, Crohn's patients, um, epilepsy patients, MS patients chronic pain patients, PTSD patients, autism, the list just goes on and on. Um, The the thing about cannabis is that it mitigates symptoms and a lot of these diseases, illnesses and conditions suffer from similar symptoms.
0: Okay, so it's a lot of, it's not just cancer patients.
1: Not just cancer patients, but you do, you know, for the the initiative that's happening here in Utah, you do have to be on the qualifying list. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. so you belong to Truce, Utah, correct?
1: I do, yes. So what is that? to Start is an acronym and it stands for Together for Responsible Use in Cannabis Education. We're a nonprofit. Um, we started back in uh, 2016 working with the Madsen bill. We were a group of patients and parents and advocates just wanting to have safe legal access, and we came together and formed this little group and we were citizen lobbyists during the 2016 legislative session. Okay, so what do you do? We work on education. We work on educating the public. We sit down with policymakers and share our stories. We share the science. We're connected on a national level that works on policy and and getting legislators on board and changing policy towards benefiting patients. Okay, and so you're focused on Utah specifically? Uh, TRUCE is focused on Utah, specifically, but we're also affiliated with a national organization called Americans for Safe Access. We worked with them in getting Senator Mike Lee on a bill on the federal level to push legislation to change policy for patients. Okay. So that was, that's the CARES Act. Um, again, that was just sharing patient stories, sharing information, connecting legislators with the scientists that have the, the policy and the, and the science to back up them changing.
0: Okay, so do you have scientists? that work with you?
1: We do. We on In our group, we have a neuroscientist. We have some pain doctors. We have some hospice nurses. We have pharmacists. We have quite a collection of people who are advocating on the behalf of patients, too. The The industries are split. Um, you will look at law enforcement. You're going to see a divide. My father is a narcotics officer completely supports me having access to cannabis. You will find law enforcement who have a very different perspective. Same thing applies within the medical field. You have doctors who are extremely supportive and uh, doctors that aren't, that want us to go slow and take a very cautionary step. So we do have doctors and medical professionals who are supportive of the patient's right to to choose to have access. So is
0: there there anything unique about the medical marijuana or access conversation
1: in Utah specifically, it's such a red state. It is. It is a red state, but with it being a red state, we were the first state to pass a CBD only bill. What's a a CBD only? CBD is cannabidiol. It is um, a compound in the cannabis plant. It's non-psychoactive and non-psychotropic. It actually is used to help treat seizures and so in 2014 um, a group of moms came together and, and fought for the right for to access it. The problem with the legislation that we put in place is there is no implementation in our state so a patient or a caregiver has to cross state lines breaking federal law to transport cannabis medication back into the state. What we're trying to do and what we've been trying to do since 2014 is correct that policy. Trying to make patients not break federal law. The, the feds have said if you you make a program in your state and you comply with these regulations that we have in the Coleman Memorandum we will not come in after you. So I'm trying to create a safe space for patients by moving forward on a ballot initiative. Okay, so this is different from what Colorado recently did. Oh, absolutely. We, we must stress that Colorado, Nevada, California, Oregon, Alaska, those are recreational states. And what we're looking at for a model for, for Utah is not recreational. We don't want adult use. That's not what our polling indicates. Our polling is showing that our state is far from ready to adapt an adult use program. So we are solely focused on a, a patient-doctor relationship scenario where a patient goes in to see a physician they already have established relationship with to get a recommendation to have access to cannabis.
0: Okay, so how did you become involved in this fight? You said your father's a narcotics officer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just throw that out there. Um, In 1996, when I was 24, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor and um, went in and had surgery. They hit a blood vessel and I slipped into a coma. I hemorrhaged. When I woke uh, four days later, I had left side paralysis and weakness. I spoke like a stroke victim. I lost the hearing in my left ear. So I had to learn how to walk and talk again. I lost my job at the hospital. I had to apply for disability. And this began 16 years of a bedridden life for me. I was on heavy pharmaceuticals. I've had nerve ablations done. I've had all kinds of therapies and treatments to deal with my chronic pain. Um, after surgery, I had multiple diagnosis Upon diagnosis happen. I'm diagnosed with IBS, fibromyalgia, chronic pain um, due to the trigeminal neuralgia that I suffer from which is a a debilitating pain disease. Um, It it was a miserable life. I had hit a wall five years ago where I wasn't eating and I was just wasting. I was at a point where my husband was carrying me to the bathroom. He was bathing me and um, I just couldn't live like this anymore. So I turned to him and said, please take me to my doctor. I want to see if there's something else. I want to try medical marijuana. When I went to my physician, he says, Christine, it's not legal here in Utah, but there is a pain clinic that we can send you to that will start you on synthetic THC, which is an FDA approved drug called Marinol, to see if it could offer me some relief. It was the only thing legal here in Utah. I started that therapy, and two weeks in, the side effects were too much. I had to discontinue the therapy but that led me to research. I went online trying to figure out, well, are other patients experiencing the same thing? Maybe there's a trick to taking this pharmaceutical drug. Maybe I need to take it at night or in the morning or with food or just wanted to get some knowledge on it. What I actually discovered was other patients using this said stop using it, try whole plant. Try the actual herb itself. That led me to the conversation with my dad. Mm -hmm. I called my dad and I said, this is the research that I'm finding. I wanna know what you think. And he says, hey, here in Florida, they're about to pass a bill. I think you should try it. You have 16 years of suffering. It's just long enough. And with that, I um, followed up with, dad, but it's not legal here. How am I going to find medicine? He's like, I'm sure there's at least one bag in Utah that you can find. (laughs) And sure enough, I did. And to procure that was really upsetting to me. Um, And that whole experience was why I decided I had to push for policy. I couldn't just be a patient that ran from the state and said, you know, I'll go to a legal state. I couldn't just be a patient that used it in my basement and told my children, don't do drugs, but I'm going to use this this herb in my basement and it's going to be okay. I had to work on changing policy. So not just me that could benefit, but other patients could actually benefit from it too. It was an amazing experience. Um, Within two weeks of using it, I was walking again. Within six months, I was driving. And within eight months is when I found my way to the hill. and said how do we do this so that's that's the story and that's why I just can't stop Um, five years later no cane no handicap parking pharmaceutical free it's a completely different life Um, at 45 I have my life back which is hard hard to think that my 30s and part of my 20s are gone but now I can make a difference and I want to do that so have you guys had any success so far? Meaning? meaning us define success. <laughs> let, let, I guess let me define success in my eyes. When I started this movement in 2014, we were polling at 51% in favor of medical cannabis in this state. And as you guys so- saw, maybe some of your listeners have seen, this past summer, Dan Jones released a poll, and we are now polling at 77 to 78% in support wow. of medical cannabis.
0: Statewide. That is a
1: huge... I think that is mm-hmm. progress. I think that's positive progress. I think more and more people are becoming educated on the topic so that they can make informed decisions about their own health. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're in a situation in this country where our health care system is clogged up and we have lost faith in it and people are looking for other alternatives. So
0: so how are you guys, how is Truce specifically trying to educate the public? You said you work with doctors and scientists and patients, but are you do you have any programs or any materials? We
1: we do have a website, um truceUtah.org has a lot of information and materials on on that website, teaching you about cannabis, teaching you about dosing, um, just the whole history of prohibition. We work on history, we work on science, we work on patient stories, sharing patient stories is extremely powerful. Those who have had positive experiences like myself get out and we do public speaking engagements where we do panels. We um, do documentaries with our panelists and open it up for real discussion. We're about to start a peer-to-peer where we're having patients and caregivers have meetings once a week where they can go and share their experiences, ask questions, learn more about cannabis.
0: So, is your ultimate goal to legalize medical cannabis in the state of Utah? Is that sort of what you're driving? To that's work?
1: yes, absolutely. That's what we're looking for is just medical access in Utah. And and for me, I I have a national sort of scope too. I advocate with a, a big group of patients and caregivers throughout the country. And the states that don't have access are now reaching out to some of us advocates that have worked on policy in our states and saying, "Please, can you come help us? How do we get started?" Because that's that's really daunting to people, not knowing how do I, how do I have, have impact change? I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So, what volunteer opportunities do you guys have, though? Well, that's if you go to our website, you can okay. um, sign up to volunteer and come to these events, come to these speaking engagements, engage in the peer to peers, where you can come and ho- conduct the meeting and share your experience with others. And it's it's a it's a definitely community building movement. Have you found that? Um, the types
0: of questions you get are pretty consistent are people worried that legalizing medical cannabis means that people can just have it whenever they want
1: yes there is a deep deep concern about that and that's why um when we were consulted when the the utah patients coalition which is the Ballin initiative team they came to the patients group and said you know we're, we're getting ready to draft this language we would love your input on what you're seeing we tried to look at conditions that had um, been implemented, or, or let me rephrase: They have been used in other states to, for qualifying lists. and so we looked at those conditions. And a lot of the, a lot of this is is the worst of the worst that we're talking about. We're not, we're not advocating for people who get hangnails to say, you know what, I, can't, I just can't take the pain, I gotta go get cannabis. That's not what we're looking at. We're looking at patients that have an established relationship, have a diagnosis, and they're looking for another option. And that's why we have that list. And it's a very tight list. In other states, the conditions list is much, much longer. We try to keep it tight, and we're trying to go at a, a small incremental step type of scenario. Do you find that people who have the
0: conditions um, that you mentioned earlier that are on this tight list, do are they aware of
1: the effects that medical cannabis could have in improving their conditions or I well and I think that's where truce comes in. Some people aren't aware and don't know how Google works a little bit. And so <laughs> we encourage people to put in your condition and type the word cannabis after it and see what the Google search pulls up, I encourage you to use Google Scholar Mm -hmm. to pull up those studies so that you can get a better understanding of what we're talking about. There's a lot of patient stories and a lot of information out there on the web.
0: Have there been studies done about medical cannabis?
1: There have been quite a bit studies. Um, Cannabis is one of the most studied um, substances out there. And so there's been, there are thousands of studies. And the hard thing is for patients, there are opposing cannabis studies and supportive studies. And this is where it is a buyer beware kind of market. You really need to get educated on what cannabis can and can't do. It's not for everybody and we need to be really clear that it's not a panacea. For some people it's gonna work and for some people they will not find beneficial, just like pharmaceuticals. Oh, exactly, that's what I was just Mm -hmm.
0: gonna say. It's just like ibuprofen.
1: (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And and this is just another tool in the toolbox. We're not saying, hey, let's throw out, you know, the pharmaceuticals entirely, even though I'm pharma-free. The nice thing about that is when I do age more and I do get illnesses that need that support of, of the pharmaceutical company, I will be more apt to being responsive to that than if I continue this pace of all of these pharmaceuticals day in, day out.
0: Mm-hmm. So I guess if, you, if we could sum this up for our listeners a little bit, what would you, what, what's the number
1: one thing you would like people to know about medical marijuana? The safety index. No one has overdosed from medical cannabis in all the years that humans, all oh. the thousands of years that humans have been engaging with it. They do not work on the respiratory receptors. Cannabis doesn't. Not like alcohol and not like opioids. So that's a very, very big component. Another thing we need to be cautious of is using cannabis before the brain develops at 25. Something that we really don't want to see in our young youth. And so teaching them that this is medicine and should be used cautiously, and not until their brains developed is another thing I want the community to understand. But the safety index is the biggest one.
0: Okay. And you're, you're currently circulating a petition, correct?
1: Um, Utah Patients Coalition is definitely okay. circulating um, a petition right now. Uh, that's, that's out and about. We're collecting signatures. From my understanding, when I talked with the team, they said they were closing in on almost 10,000 signatures in the past wow. two weeks. We have had 1,400 volunteers sign up through the Utah Patients Coalition website. If you're interested about that effort, that's at utahpatients.org. You can read the ballot initiative. You can sign up to volunteer. You can learn more about cannabis. It goes, you know, what is cannabis, and, and explains into more depth. Okay.
0: Well, thank you for sitting down with us today. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Salt Lake Speaks. Today's episode was sponsored by Salt Lake Magazine's Cocktail Contest, a month-long cocktail crawl where locals get the chance to try and judge libations created by local bars and restaurants around town. For a full list of participants, visit cocktailcontestslc.com. Be sure to find this and other podcast episodes at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcast.